Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Scummy Mummies Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Scummy Mummies podcast. I'm Annie Gibson. And I'm Helen Thorne. And who are you? I am Simon London. Simon London! <laughs> hey, I can't not say your name like I'm the X Factor man, because it's just such a good name. <laughs> Simon London! And we have to, because when I wrote the email to Simon London, I did do your name in lowercase, but your last name in uppercase. <laughs> yeah. You do feel like saying Simon London! Anyway, Simon London. Yes. If that is your real name. It is my real name. <laughs> it's my real name. What a great name. Uh, would you introduce yourself to the listener? Who are you, Simon London? Who am London? I? Who am I? Well, I am, I am what they call a jerk of all trades. I've been... <laughs> A, a journalist. Ooh. I had a column in the Daily Mirror when I was in my early 20s. So I was a TV oh, critic oh. on the Daily Mirror. Then I became a TV presenter. So I was a TV presenter up until around about 2000. I used to do little bits on the lottery show. And I did City Hospital with Nick Knowles and Gabby <gasps> Roslin. Nick oh. Knowles. And Susie oh. Perry. Lovely Susie Perry. Oh. And Phil We Sponfield. love you, Gabby yes. Roslin. I know you're listening. Yeah. Um, Nick and Knowles, then not I so became, much. <laughs> <laughs> then I became a producer... <laughs> And um, <laughs> then I became a producer, worked on the Graham Norton show, and then I just did what everybody else does, just become a producer for hire. So comedy and entertainment, and I did that. I've done that really since about 2003. Um, yeah, so so a bit of everything, bit of writing, bit of uh, Just presenting. being Simon London. You just, just being go Simon around London. the world being Simon I, London. Indeed, yes. And being hilarious. I try to, yes. You know, that's, yes. that's, you know, that's, that's part of Simon London. Everybody knows you, because we, we met you, Simon London, on the Gabby <laughs> Rosen. We were going to say your name 55 I times. I okay. so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we met you on the Gabby Rosen show, the BBC London show. You're and with your we... brother, Greater. <laughs> <laughs> And your sister southeast. Yeah, he's never heard yeah. it before. Isn't no, it? Never. My aunt Tower of. <laughs> but I remember we said, "Oh, we we put a photo of us on the um, on the Instagram," and then everyone's like, "Is that Simon London?" Everyone fucking knows you. Yeah. Like you've worked with everyone in the town. I've worked with lots of people, and. Um, yeah, I've worked with lots of people and try to stay in touch with lots of people because it, it, social media is good now. Mm. You can stay in touch with people. I do make the mistake of thinking they're all my friends and a couple of people I've worked hey, Tom with. Cruise. <laughs> I've gone, oh, you couldn't do this for me, and they've gone, oh, nice, nice. You just suddenly got in touch after six years, and I've gone, but I liked your photo the other day. We're friends, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's how it social works. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. no. So, um, but so yes, I try and sort of stay in touch and talk to people like that because if you've worked with somebody and you've had a laugh with someone. 
I say to my son, if you're in a lift and it's going, you're in a tall building and the door's open and somebody steps in, who you know and you've worked with, you want to be able to go, hey, how are you? Not that mm. awful science of, oh, God, I screwed oh. this person over yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think it's important or, oh, to Oh, remember that time uh, you taught me to photocopy my tits at Christmas party. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah. Nobody they never that. look as good. I've done it before. Yeah. I've photocopied my tits and I'm like, it just looked like two enlarged fried eggs how? with their hair. Well, um, why did you... <laughs> how did you spider. not... <laughs> A squash spider. Yeah, and why? And why do people do that? Why? Yeah, it was time to do. It was the. It was a different time. Yeah, yeah. It was the late, yeah, the late nineties. <laughs> I I had been drinking a lot of brandy and Fanta right. that night, which I'd call a fandy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll catch on with the youth. I That's think it very will. Very classy. This is the kind of culture Australia brings to this country. <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You know? oh. Well, good job you didn't have Southern Comfort. We know what you get up to oh. when you've had that. Oh. Oh, I'm trying to think what that would be called it's as well. Not a, very a sandy, a cum, a cum, a cum, a cum di- something. Move a, on. Put it this way: a Southern discomfort. <laughs> oh. oh no! Wrong, wrong hole. Um, wrong time. Anyway, let's move on to family chats. <laughs> Family chat, yes. <laughs> who are you, Simon London, and who is your family? Um, uh, so we're talking about the family I have now, my family that, I, uh, that I've... Uh, uh, how, how do you want me to answer whatever this you, one? Whatever you like. What, so, you like? okay, so, not a lot of people know this, because uh, it never really comes up, but I was adopted at the age of eight. Right. Oh. So I was in children's homes, up well, one children's home in particular in Woking, uh, to the age of eight. Um, and I did have a half-sister. We kept on being fostered. And then due to various reasons, not my fault, uh, we get sent back to the children's home. And then finally, the last people who went, well, we'll give it a go, see whether we can foster them with a view to adoption. They, uh, they uh, fostered us. Unfortunately, my sister had to go back to the children's home, but they kept me, and I was adopted by them officially when I was 12. Wow. And, and were they these are, the Londons? These were not the Londons. Uh, that's an even more weird story. So um, one of the reasons, back then in the 70s, because I am that old, back then in the 70s, um, they wanted to uh, split us... Well, they weren't sure they could split me and my sister up. But then... Um, uh, my parents, my mum and dad, my adopted parents went, well, it seems a bit unfair that he keeps on having to go back to children saying, can we look into this? So they looked into it and went, they're half brother and sister, so we can actually split them up. And at the time I was called Simon Edwards and they found my birth certificate and went, his name's Simon London, his real name's Simon London, she's an Edwards. Oh. So the next day I had to go back to school as Simon London and everyone oh. went, you're from the children's home, now your name's different and blah, blah, blah. And I went, I'm never, ever changing my name again. And I said to my wife when we got married, you don't have to change your name if you don't want to, because it's a weird thing. It is a weird... And especially but she did, that... though, because your name's London. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's Mrs. London. Yeah. That's her name was Poo Bags. I'm changing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, wow. it's a weird thing to change your name, isn't it? Yeah. And that young as well. That's... Yeah. And you have wow. no choice. Someone's just gone, no, tomorrow you're going to... Yeah, tomorrow going to... you're going to be Simon London. Mm. And so, uh, yeah. So Children's Home in the 70s, I mean, that must have been all the lols. Oh, it's great. No, it was, uh, you know something, it was kids. The weird thing about kids, kids just sort of go, that's it's... mum, isn't it? And yeah. that's kind of what kids do. So I can imagine in Victorian times when they went, oh, go up that chimney, kids went, oh, that's what we do. We're mm. kids, we go up. Yeah. So you kind of don't realise... I remember one of the first things my new parents did, they went, 
he seems a bit bright and he's not getting on at school. Let's send him to boarding school because that's not like a children's home at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Full of warmth and love. So I went to boarding school. I met the first guy, um, uh, the first kid around about 11 years old and his mum and dad were divorced. And I kept on saying, did your mum and dad argue? And what happened? Did they ever like fight? And could you see them fight? And he went, why do you want to know? And I said, I've never met anybody who's been divorced, whose parents are divorced. He mm. went... You're black and your mum and dad are white and you've been in a children's home. You're the weird one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, <laughs> and you're like, but my name is Simon <laughs> London. <laughs> so it's so wow. I always think you know kids just go. Yeah. You know you don't realise that families are weird until you get to about sixteen, seventeen, and then you go, all families are weird, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And where so, did you go to boarding school? Was that close by? So it you, was you sort of had this new family. And yes. Like, no, you 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 go away now. Yeah. They tell me it was for my own good. It wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't. We can't send them back to the children's home. We fought them to keep them. Let's send them to boarding school. To the um, it was quite close. It was kind of like about a forty-five minute drive away. Yeah. Um, and it was a bit weird, again, in the 70s, the first time I got there, and everybody, they were really posh, and they were really, really horrible. And I remember the first fight, somebody said something to me, and I stood up, and everyone went, fight, 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 outside, take your jackets off. Oh, Simon's just picked up a jug and smashed it in that kid's face. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, why do we have to go outside? Because in the children's home, you just hit people with the biggest thing you can find. And everyone's like, no, no, we don't do that. We don't do that at boarding school. At boarding school, we Jumble take our... Jumble we're so angry. <laughs> we take our jackets off, we make a circle. We and do that. Oh style. What are you doing? Simon, what are you doing? Well, Boris <laughs> hasn't even put his knickerbockers on. For goodness sake. No, he needs stitches. What are you doing? So... My oh, dad was wow. pulled down a few times, and there, yeah. back then in the 70s, it was sort of, I mean, they were calling me sort of the most awful, awful names, and they just basically went, he's, well, he's just got to grow up and learn that's what happens in life, you know? <gasps> and uh, my dad <sighs> basically said, the best advice ever, he said, if anybody says anything, hit them, and hit the people you laugh as well. And it was kind of good advice, and also awful advice, because I turned into this horrible bully at school, but what I would do is somebody would come in and say something and all the other kids would just sit there going, I'm not going to get a jug or plate smashed over my head. So yeah. so nobody nobody said anything, but I couldn't wait to leave and get to university. But my mum and dad are lovely. They're really, really lovely. Still alive in their mid-80s, lived down in Dorset. And, um... <gasps> lovely. I love Dorset. <laughs> <laughs> You're not coming. What? Are, you, are you near the nice bits? I love that. all of Dorset. Yeah, it's is all nice. of nice. It's, it's, all nice. it's too nice for you. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the and uh, I have yeah. a sister who's eight years older than me. She's um, their biological daughter, but we're very very close, mm. and um, she's lovely. Yeah. And then I'm married to Joe. Twenty years this year. She's. I thought uh, you were going to say twenty white. years younger. I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, get out. Yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, if if my life is going to plan, the next Mrs. London is being yes. born round about now. <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm married to lovely Joe, and we have Elliot, who is um, who is 18 in August. So yeah. Oh my yeah. god! I just want I just want to go back a little bit because I don't know if we've had someone on the podcast before who was adopted. Yeah. So was was there like a big moment where they told you you were, they were going to adopt you? Is it like in the movies? Sort of a bit. Um, where they kind of go, how are you enjoying living with us? And you go, uh. It's okay. Well, if you check my TripAdvisor review, uh, <laughs> the bathroom could be a little cleaner, yeah. and the breakfast was a little cold this morning. I've got my own room. The mini kettle yeah. was not great. I've yeah. got nobody's my own room, which is good. Yeah, yeah, nobody's fighting. I think I could grow to like this. And also, you're very posh, and we have um, we have napkins, and we have more than one set of knives and forks, because that was really weird. 
that was really weird because the children's home we weren't posh at the children we really weren't posh at the children's home my mum and dad are kind of very upper middle class they're very sort of um you wouldn't look at them and go oh those people will adopt uh, black kids you say you, you said that sometimes you felt like the world's whitest black guy <laughs> yeah because difficult? yeah because i guess in a way um at boarding school there were no other black kids really um and then of course you just gravitate to what you know so I went to university and made good friends. I had a, a really good mixed race friend there. But generally, the people at university at the sort of late 80s are still... It's still the kind of slightly middle class people who are going to university. And they are, of course, white, most of them. And then you move out and you're with a group of friends. So I didn't really know lots of other black people. Black people I were I was meeting at the time would sort of, you know, they'd sometimes go, well, you're not really black. And I'd go, believe me, believe me, they still call me all the same names. <laughs> I think you should be like, shit, has anyone got a mirror? Has anyone got a mirror? <laughs> it shit, is a bit what do you like... mean? <laughs> so I was trying to explain this to somebody saying, I kind of get all the, I'm really lucky because I get all the privileges of being upper middle class, yeah. but all the, all the great stuff of racism as well. <laughs> So, you know, everyone's I, friends. Yeah, I would still, I'd still kind of go out to sort of um, uh, go out, have a really good time, then be with a girl and go, we'll just hire this cab. Uh, it's just driven past. We'll get this one. Oh, it's dri- driven past again. Oh. You might want to put your hand up. Yeah. Because uh, you're white and they'll stop for you. So it is a weird, you have this weird duality. And at the same time, you kind of just have to get on with it. Because my mum and dad are very much that kind of British... You just get on with it and mm. you don't kind of have to worry about that. But Keep it, calm, carry on, basically. smash a jug over everyone's head. <laughs> <laughs> Punch that guy, that guy, yeah. that guy. Yeah. So you sort of, so yeah, I mean, it's only as I've got older that I've kind of, I think once you have a kid and you sort of think, what's life like for him that you mm. you think about it a bit more, like your identity a bit more. I, I never want to be that person going, oh, they're racist, or this person's racist, and I get very angry about that. That's sort of stuff that, you know, Liam Neeson's racist. Well, no, he's not. He had a bad moment in his life, and he tried to understand it, and you can't just point at people and go, they're racist. My nanny, who was obviously, as in my grandmother, who was obviously white, my adoptive grandmother, you know, but my granny wasn't racist, because she used to go, oh, my daughter's adopted a coloured boy. It's, it is a weird... Mm a weird thing getting your head round and and when you because when you talk to your son about your upbringing and things like yeah. that are you really conscious of giving him the full honest truth about yeah. just playing this podcast I think yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> sit down um, son have your first beer yeah. <laughs> we talk let about these it. women tell you all about it <laughs> Let me white explain yeah. this. Um, yeah. I haven't been able to talk to you about this, but uh, these two women... Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of tell him about it in some ways. The thing that I most sort of... That I say to him all the time is... It is going to be harder for you. It is... You're a mixed-race kid. And I saw this really good play once. where There was a great line in it where somebody said... Oh, you black kid. He goes, I'm not black. I'm mixed race. He goes, oh, when Obama stops being president, you'll go back to being black. <gasps> and which is a really great amazing. line. Amazing. Yeah. But what an amazing sort of yeah. analysis. Yeah. yeah. You're okay. You're safe for this time. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your time will pass. And yeah. so I've always been, you know, there's a big joke. It's not that much of a joke. My wife, Joe is very, very soft on Elliot. And I'm very, very hard on Elliot. And I always say to Joe, it's because I know it's harder out there. And that whatever anybody thinks... He is black and it will be harder for him. So I try and kind of say to him, 
you sort of have to work a little bit harder. You have to turn up on time. People will look at those things and use them against you. And it's not your fault, but... You, so, so we talk about that sometimes, but he just loves hearing stories about me smashing jugs over people's heads. Of course, heads. he does. Yeah, yeah, this he is loves it. That. This is it. And also, he's a he's a black young man. Yeah. in London right now. Yeah, called London. Yes, it's London, <laughs> yeah. London in London. You love that, don't uh, you? Yeah, we just keep, saying, keep saying it. <laughs> like it. But I mean, in 2019, this is the reality. And I, I went to a talk about motherhood, and there were some mothers who said, "Look, I have black sons, and I." They will get stopped and searched yes. five times more than the white guys. They're, you know, exactly what you were saying about like they can't hail a cab, all of those sort of things. We need to talk about it. Yeah. Let's not pretend it's all nicely, nicely. This is a fucking reality. Yeah. You know, oh God, this guy on Twitter was arguing with me when I was saying about this thing about Liam Neeson going so lazy just to say Liam Neeson's a racist. Let's stop him from ever making films again if you can't have although these although we don't need another Taken I mean we <laughs> no. can all agree on that and this is as good a reason as any I feel yeah, like I it's not that happening that's it yeah we will find him and we will stop those films he has a particular set of skills and they are <laughs> yeah. they are being a racist when he's younger but, but yeah. no and no I'm, one needs to see Qui-Gon Jinn again no one needs another Star Wars you know your Star Wars don't oh, you oh I used to be a prequels apologist but that's another story <laughs> Get out of your own house. Sorry. Um, Sorry, we were talking something. No, I think it's really important. You're arguing the guy about Liam Neeson. Yeah, no, not to be hysterical. And then the easiest thing that people come back is, um, oh, well, you're an Uncle Tom, or you're this, or you're that. But I think that if you don't have um, grown-up conversations about race and prejudice and difference and everything else, then you just end up with Brexit, Trump and Tommy Robinson because nobody wants to say anything. Nobody, everybody's sort of, everybody really wants to jump down to people's throat. So I I really hate all that because I was kind of brought up by my mum and dad to sort of question everything, Mm. talk about everything. And while still being aware that people will look at you and judge you a certain way and that you kind of have to work harder to sort of go... Well, let's have a conversation about it. Let's discuss mm. that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let's do it. Let's do a hot potato, as Mrs. Knighton would say. <laughs> um, and now you've just laughed. Now I'm going to be serious. But so, so a big thing that worries me. So how, how old is your lad? He's 17, 18 in August. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my lads are seven and four and they live right. in South East London, obviously. And I'm okay. really worried about the stabbing. There's a secondary school down the road. They're statistically likely to go there because of where we live. And there was a lad that was killed from yeah. there a few months ago. And I'm like... I don't know what to do about it or if there is anything I can do about it from my position and my privilege and what? Solve the world, Simon What I'm saying, Simon <laughs> like, Solve the knife crime crisis. This is a really long list you've got here. You've got what's you just... North Korea, what's <laughs> FGM, <laughs> and uh, yeah. okay, right, I'll, I'll, I'll work through. Can I have some more wine? The knife crime thing is really, really difficult, isn't it? Because it's this circle of kids are now scared, so they're carrying knives because they're scared that they're going to be stabbed. Yeah. Then at the same time, they're, brandish- they're brandishing them and they're kind of like saying, oh, I've got a knife, so you're not going to stab me. Oh, you've got a knife as well. Now I'm being stabbed. And there's this real vicious circle that is going on. T- to go back to the original question, I'm worried. You know, my son goes out and, you know, when he comes back in, I think, well, I don't want to hear about him being on a night bus or late or standing in a corner or something like that happen. And I think actually 
when you hear about what people are trying to do, they're saying that it needs to be, instead of people being excluded from school and seeing um, other kids or older kids or gangs as sort of a way out to try and um, to sort of try and replace that sort of feeling of camaraderie and that sort of having a knife is just sort of part of the uniform or part of what you carry. If you can go back into that and break that down, I think that that's the way to start. But I'm also wondering whether it's a case of, you know, trying to get people... I don't know whether you had this at school. I remember at school, like a policeman came in and showed us what happened to people who played on the railway tracks. Yeah. And it just scared the hell out. It's like the worst thing. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 It's like AIDS and the Grim Reaper. Yeah. That was that that time of just kind of fucking, we all shat our pants. Yeah. I mean, and if you went to university between 87 and 94, nobody would sleep with you because of AIDS. That's why they wouldn't sleep with you. I just want everybody to know that. It wasn't because of me, it was because of the AIDS commercials. I was incredibly attractive and considered a catch in some areas, um, but because of the AIDS commercials. Sorry, 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 but I digress. No, do walk on. No, but I just wonder whether, you know, we need to hear, you kind of sometimes see on BBC Breakfast News some guy going, I'm working with gangs now and I used to carry a knife. I wonder if it needs to be more than that. I wonder whether actually you need to be taking kids who have been stabbed mums who have lost kids and whether it is that kind of shock tactic mm. that you take into schools and go to scare the shit out of them yeah completely it? and because it's happening through all the classes everyone wants to kind of say it's a working class thing it's a black thing it's not, but, no. it, it, but it's happening mm. it's happening all Something over happened in Dulwich the other day that's all well, I'm saying well there you go I mean yes there you go we're if not, it's we're touched not... Dulwich yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> That's, like it's co- that's kind of like when Mordor comes to the Shire. <laughs> it's like Valhalla is in danger. Ragnarok is here. Dunwich is breaking down. But I, I wonder whether it's about that. I wonder yeah. whether you kind of, you know, you need people to go in and go, you see the scar going down my face. You see this, that was nearly punctured. Yeah. That was a knife thing. That was what it's, that's what, uh, that's what it's about. And going from there I don't know whether it's more community policing I don't believe that I think kids listen to other kids and kids listen to police do they no. I mean and kids are smart They're not, yeah. and they don't want to be patronised they yeah. don't want a big old white bloke yeah. in their policeman's uniform going don't stab you yeah. they're not going to listen no. yeah so the, the scary ads when we were kids were the blind kid with the fireworks I don't know why I'm laughing <laughs> yeah we're not laughing no, we're not laughing at that time and the oh, advert yeah. we're not they basically there was a kid and he had a firework and it went off in his hand because someone chucked it oh, off god, him oh god it was awful and then at the end of it he turns around to the camera oh. and he's blind and everyone goes he's blind the kid is blind I'm never playing with even now yeah, as yeah. an adult lighting no. fireworks in the garden yeah. I light it and then run yeah. get on a tube he's, he's <laughs> I got must a have <laughs> I must have misremembered this, but I'm sure there's one where the child had a sparkler and then suddenly only had two fingers. Yes. Like it burned off all yeah, the yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. And then it was like, always put the sparklers yeah. in a bucket. <laughs> like, oh, because that will save your fingers. But I think I think that may be a good start. That that yeah. may be a good start. I don't know whether... I think that's true for everything. I think yeah. we've all got a bit light touch. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I just wonder whether that may be a way to start not putting kids with other kids who are going to... I don't know who are sort of going to sort of fill that gap that's missing and in in a bad way. I wonder whether it's about sort of seeing how these how this stuff affects people, affects people like you. How much do you think it is to do with um, poverty and people feeling disenfranchised and people, young people having kind of no 
hope and they've got I'm in this shit situation and there's you know life loses value maybe so much of that so much of that I'm going to digress but bear with me okay you remember Raoul Moat that that guy yes. up in Newcastle Gaza took a fishing rod and chicken to when he was on the run when he shot <laughs> I love that, that that's your best memory of that <laughs> yes. incident yeah because that's how people remember Raoul Moat <laughs> but Raoul Moat was this sort of bouncer who apparently kind of did loads of steroids and everything and was very kind of on edge. And his story was he caught three policemen in his club, in the toilet, doing drugs. He kicked them out and then they had a vendetta against him. And that sort of got worse and worse and worse. And in the end, he snapped, shot the policeman, went on the run, blah, blah, blah. What's interesting about that Raoul Moat story, I was reading about it. I'm obsessed with true crime. I love true crime. We, did, we, we could spend four hours okay. talking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does what he he does to the policeman he goes on the run somebody sets up a facebook page and fifty thousand people follow it going go on ralmo you show the police you're on the run and i think david cameron stood up in parliament and went facebook you're really naughty and you should take that down we can't believe that's happened but actually what you should be going is what is happening up there mm. yeah that all those people feel that they can get behind this guy who's shot a policeman and reading about it a bit more, the people on Railmate's estate said, oh, the reason that we are behind him is if anything happens on the estate, the police turn up. If there's a burglary, they turn up. They search your stuff. If you've got a bit of, like, blow or whatever, they take your cannabis off you. If they turn up, if there's a burglary, if they turn up, they might turn up in two or three days' time. They don't give a monkeys about you at all. And actually, that's why we hate the police and that's why we love Railmate. And that's a really, really interesting story that was mirrored when sort of those women who, who were the sex workers being ma- murdered in Ipswich, do yeah, you remember? Huge. And they kept on going out to work and the police were saying, stop going out to work, there's a serial killer around. I think Lynn Barber did an interview with them and some of them said, well, we're all addicted to heroin and actually we go out to work and very often the police stop us and they make us do stuff to them and they nick our drugs and we're addicts so we kind of have to keep on going out. Now, this isn't me bashing the police. This is me just saying... This is if, if, if at the end of the line it's like, Raoul Moat's a bad guy and these sex workers need to stop doing this, there is a lot of stuff going under the surface that we don't get to see if we're nice middle-class people who live in London, that those people are so disenfranchised about sort of living in council estates where they feel that the the enemy is the no establishment and the police. No one's and, and that has a lot to do with that, I think. that It's a really interesting, if anybody gets a chance and uh, <laughs> does lie in bed at night looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> um, the round, no, but the round mate story is a really, really interesting mm. story. 50,000 people on Facebook going... Go round. Yeah, go round after he shot a policeman. That's... that's the, that's I mean, not a Facebook problem. Yeah. Forty nine thousand of them were Gaza just building different profiles. <laughs> yes. Just like, yes. <laughs> it's a really big fan, guys. Yeah, it's a really big. He's fan. really into them. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but it, but yeah, I mean mm. that's that's where kind of we need to be looking at stuff. No. Yeah. Bloody right on. Good. Well, there you are. You have sorted it out. See, oh, I, I? I knew you could do it. I'm good. <laughs> I knew you could do it. Yeah. We, we, we gave him some cheap beer. Yes. Yeah. Stepped on his foot. Off he went. You could look forward to a call from the government. <laughs> Thank you very much. The what can I do? Because I mean, they, they make you a czar, don't they? You'll just be Simon London, man. Oh, will I? <laughs> the Simon London czar. We have appointed Simon London as Simon London. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No worries. Excellent. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Should we switch gear in a really <laughs> awkward way? Yes, let's we'll go put from... the advert there. Yeah, and okay. Then we're doing <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Let's yeah, let's go back to comedy and career chat. You've done a lot of telly, Simon London. What's uh, been your favourite thing you've ever worked on? Favourite thing I've ever worked on. Well, it have to be Graham Norton. Oh. Have to be Graham Norton. I was lucky enough to join the second series when it was so Graham Norton Channel Four, and it was the most amazing chat show ever. I always say this about Graham: if you've got a, a semi-good guest, he makes him brilliant, or her brilliant. It makes the guest brilliant. And if you've got an awesome guest, like then you'll just have an out of this world sort they of. They will fly. Yeah. yeah. And on that, that first... sounds really familiar. Actually, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, on that yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> And if you've joined us after the knife crime and racism... <laughs> Simon London, you'll be um, So, yeah, so I, I loved, working with, loved working with him. I worked with some two, two women that I really enjoyed working with, Watson and Oliver, and they should have been bigger. They should have been more French and Saunders. Um, uh, they should have sort of taken over from French and Saunders. Unfortunately, that didn't yeah. happen. There's, you know... Yeah, you know... There's, there's, there's people in line. There's people in line. <laughs> yeah. Tim Vine is very good to work with. Yeah. Jimmy Carr. No, was... listen, I don't want to hear all this. Yes. Come on, you know what we want to hear. <laughs> who were the bad ones? Who? Who you can were say the bad dead, ones? Oh, uh, who's the bad? Really? Oh, oh. He knows. He you knows. You know something? This is awful. It's awful. But I'm going to tell this story. <gasps> yes. So the last time we heard that, it was a thing about Michael Bublé wanking in a hotel room. I can't wait. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew McLean. <laughs> This isn't going to be quite as good, but it sort of tells you every kind of thing you need to know about this person. I'm getting my wine. (laughs) We had Twiggy on um, the Graham Norton show. She's just been made a dame. National treasure. And I remember that somebody had dropped out. Whoever booked her, they rang and they went, it's really good. She really wants to come on. She loves the show. She absolutely adores the show. She really wants to come on. And also, I think the fee of five grand in, in cash was... Uh, was quite attractive doesn't as hurt, well. Doesn't yeah. hurt. So she came on the show. So lots of hot pants you can get for five oh, grand. Yeah. And part of the show is uh, Graham goes. Now we've been looking on the internet to see this, and we're going to call this person. And she went, Oh no, no, I don't want to do the internet. You know, there's so much, so much horrible stuff on the internet. And we we're like, Oh, and she went, I'll just turn my chair this way because I don't want to watch it. And I just remember thinking, <laughs> Oh, this is gold. This is. I just remember amazing. thinking. Don't say you love the show and that you're a big fan when we do the internet every week. You've just basically taken the money 
And also, what you're saying is ridiculous as well. I don't do the internet. I mean, imagine it. It was that back in 2000. But even back in 2000, it wasn't all porn. People, people still had email addresses. Yeah, completely. My AOL messenger. <laughs> it's all over MySpace. And yeah. I, I kind of, every time she's on, I kind of find myself going, frigging. Yeah. <laughs> Which isn't a great one. I'll try and think no, of more. No, I like it. No, I'll no, try no. and think of more as you come up. But I do, um, oh, I did have a holiday, Hollywood actress on once. And we wanted her to play a game at the end of the show. I'm not going to say who she is, but I will whisper it in a minute and then okay. you can just shout it out when I'm gone. And uh, she uh, was pregnant, not very pregnant, but she was pregnant. And we wanted her to play this game at the end of the show, which was really stupid. It was Spaceman being uh, hung from the ceiling and weeing. And you had to, the, the person who filled up the cup of Spaceman's wee the quickest Sounds one. Sounds very sophisticated. It's, listen, it's the Rethian dream. Yes, it's the it Rethian is. dream. <laughs> So I, like I, I had to go and knock on her door and went, oh, we're going to do this game and blah, blah, blah. And she went, mm. she went, I really don't want to do that. But I don't want to come across as being like boring and square. So <laughs> could you ask him to ask me to play the game? And I'll say yes. And then at the last minute he goes, oh, n- oh no, you're pregnant. And it's probably not the great game for you to play. <laughs> so I look as though I'm really fun. <laughs> But I'm not. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Can you get Brian Norton yeah. to fake my personality? Yes. Wow. Yeah. What did you say? I went. Um. Okay. So I told Graham. Graham went. Oh, yeah. Fine. Like he's so easygoing. He's oh so easy. God. He. I mean. I'm sure he has people that he are his favourites, and he's not. But he's a complete and utter professional, and he's really brilliant with it. And went, oh, if that's the way you want to play it, we kind of. I think a lot of us used to get more riled up he on did. his behalf. Because yeah. um, but... I, I always try and check his eyes. Because when he's got like four people on the panel, it's like, surely you hate one of them. Surely yeah. you think that guy's a penis. That woman is just being. <laughs> but he is so good. I'm having that feeling yeah. right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you Can I take this read... badge? This I badge. Know. Oh, I can't read it upside down. Just to look. <laughs> you know, and you've you've done it because you've interviewed people. You know, within the first minute or so, whether they're a complete arsehole yes, and whether you secretly want to be their best friends yes. forever, well, yeah, you know, or five or six years. It just depends. <laughs> Sometimes you've got to give things a go. That's what I tell myself. That's what I tell myself. You've got to give things a try. Keep going. Keep going. It might get better. I say. <laughs> Pretty much all the people I've worked with in front of camera are nice. It's the people behind camera who... It's just really difficult. And, you know, TV is a lot of old, white, middle-aged men commissioning stuff in their own image. And what's really nice, and I've, I've found this, that's been great, is I'm a black guy, and so I tick that box, and then they can let me be in and on the party, but you're not allowed to get too far, because... Uh, that's not what it's like in that rarefied yeah. air. So there is kind is of it a... like a glass ceiling? Yes, definitely. Right. I remember going to one meeting um, when I was working on the lottery show and I went to a meeting and Alan Yentub was there and I walked in and it was just him and me and he went, oh, thank God, because I can't get this overhead projector to work. <laughs> that's how old it was back then. <laughs> and I went, oh, right, well, I'll have a look at it and everything. So I kind of was having a fiddle and then I said, oh, I can't get it to work either. And I sat down and he said, well, what are you doing? <gasps> And like <laughs> another time, another time, everyone knows the story works in telly, and I have kept quiet for ten years. But another time, I made a pilot for another black person. We went in to talk to the controller of BBC Two about whether or not um, this pilot was going to be made, and she thought I was the black person whose the pilot had been oh, no. made. Oh, oh, and God. so she sat there going. 
smiling at me. The people around me were like <laughs> clenching. I could oh. I could hear their asses clenching to going. We've really enjoyed your pilot, <laughs> and I was like, because I was producing it, I was like, I'm oh, thank John, you. I'm not John yeah. But I didn't get it. I didn't get it first. Of all. I was like, oh, thank you. Yes, it was really good. We really enjoyed making it. She went, it's really good. And then one somebody sat next to me went, have you seen um, Beep Stephen K. Amos? Uh, have you seen him live? <laughs> have you seen this person live? And she sort of looks at me and she goes. I've not been lucky enough to see you live, but if your pilot's anything to go by, oh and God. I was like, oh my God, she thinks I'm, I'm going to have to say something. Someone's going to have to say something. Someone's, someone, please, somebody say, in the end, somebody did say something. And it was just awful. Oh. And it was, but that kind of, yeah, that's difficult. I kind of look at the stuff I've done. So, like I said, I was a columnist on the mirror, like in my early 20s. Then I was a presenter. Then I was a producer on, on sort of some big shows and everything. I'm not bitter. Do I sound bitter, listeners? I'm not bitter. I think but, you have the right to be fucking pissed off about that. But you yeah. kind Bullshit. of... I, I sort of am slightly peeved that... I feel that I've paid my dues and worked in a lot of areas and worked with a lot of people from the ground upwards, and yet there's not somebody like myself mm. in that slightly... in that upper echelon, you know, that upper middle management thing. Mm. And I think... TV, I'm about to say TV suffers because of that. Not because of me, but TV suffers because there aren't more people yeah. like me called Simon London. Why <laughs> <laughs> isn't there a Simon London channel? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. But yeah, um, we've had that. We've, we've, talked, well, we've not had that, we've not had racism, but we've talked about on the Fortunately podcast before yeah. about how um, we have been told that our stuff is too woman-y. But because, by, by like three... 50 year old white men yeah. who don't understand I mean as I say we're white but like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in case you haven't noticed yeah, when, when you're being told no by three people who aren't you aren't you and also don't understand your demographic and yes. your thing yeah and what difficult. you can represent and what you can bring to the fucking party yeah. and also you have to listen you know whether you want to or not we were talking about David Lammy yeah. and the David Lammy argument now David Lammy is a black guy of African descent. If anybody knows how black African people are feeling... He's allowed to talk It's about David it. Lammy. So when he Listen, goes... I've got some quite strong opinions, actually, which I'd like to voice now. I've yeah. tweeted him a few. Yeah. He's yet to respond. So if that kind of... if I, I sort of was trying to have this argument with somebody saying, if there was a woman working for... Uh, sort of a, uh, a woman's charity, you know, a, a woman's charity, or maybe it's sort of a woman's refuge or something like that. And a man came along and said, I think what this woman is doing, the way that she's doing it, is terrible. Mm. People would probably turn around and go, Yeah, we, we well, thanks for, thanks for talking about it, but we want more feedback. Yes, <laughs> but, you know, it would be better if a woman was saying this. And David Lammy has sort of, because of the comic relief stuff, just to contextualize it, because of what he said was about Stacey Dooley. White saviors, comic relief, and people turning around and going, right, because of you, I'm never giving to comic relief again. You're the racist. But no, you don't say that. You go, he's in a good position to maybe know what people want, or what people like, and um, he's allowed. Yeah, he's al- he's allowed. People are allowed to people are allowed to to sort of say that if they if their life if their life not life choices. What is it? Their life experiences. I'm mm. touching them. Well, it's it's difficult. I found that whole thing, the David Lammy, the comic relief thing, very yes. difficult. You know, Helen and I did a trip last year to Nepal, and before we went, we had whole conversations about that. And is this just us as white people going to look at brown people? Is that weird? And 
and we tried to manage it. We go and talk to the women in the village. It's it's mothers to mothers. It yeah. was and and we just wanted to hear their stories. You know, we didn't have any photos with children. We didn't show any children. And when we had photos with the other mothers, we all stood, you know, metaphorically and literally on the same level. Yeah. Well, listen, I think. But- what I'm you saying can't... is, tell us that's okay, Simon. <laughs> Please say that's okay. You're now in charge of all. You're in charge of stabbing. You're now also. I'm putting you in charge of white people going to American <laughs> countries. Or it's like know. their own Obama, Ellie. That's what I say. Listen. You go and you do... If it's from the right place and you're doing it for the right reasons, that just comes through. Yeah. That comes through. And unfortunately for Stacey Dooley, that image was... As much as it was great Instagram photo for her, it was also sort of slightly confusing mm. for other people. It sort of did look a little bit like a um, like a fashion accessory. It did. Yeah. And I think that, you know, for for nine time, nine people out of ten, 90% of the people who are going off and doing charity, if it's coming from the right place and you're doing the right thing, it looks great. The, the bigger conversation that David Lammy wanted to have about comic relief, which is an interesting one, is... Don't they say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for a different result? That's what they say. So if every two years, kind of famous white people go out and look at these things and cry a bit and that goes on the TV and yet we're doing it, at some point somebody's going to come around going, Jesus, isn't Africa, isn't it fixed yet? You know, isn't it sort of what's going on? And I think he was right to raise... That, that's the that's the first starting point. Now, as you guys know, I'm working at the moment for a TV channel that um, uh, it's based in England, but it's, uh, it's sort of aimed at the West African diaspora and Nigerian in particular. And I'm the old man, and the kids who work under me—they're like twenty, in some cases, thirty years younger than me. And I said to them, "Well, what do you think of this Lammy thing?" And they went, "Yeah, we think he's right." And I went, "Why? Because it seems a bit mean, doesn't it, having a go at Stacey Dooley?" And they went, "Well, we're second generation Nigerians or Ghanaians, and we've grown up in London. And when we went back to Africa to Nigeria or Ghana the first time to see our cousins and aunts and uncles." (laughs) Because of the narrative of Comet Relief, we thought they all lived in mud huts. Mm. And actually, we got there and they've got nice houses. They've got staff. They've got two or three cars. Went to nightclubs and restaurants. And uh, over there, there's quite a lot of food in certain places. And Very strong no. branch of Nando's. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I went, no. Oh, I love the Waitrose. Yeah. <laughs> Malaria nets. And they went, no, we actually have air conditioning. <laughs> but please, somebody tell me there's no running water. <laughs> There's running water. And they went, but a lot of them thought they were going to go and see their cousins who lived in mud huts and villages. And all. Uh, and they said, because that's the only way that Africa had been shown to them and at Comet Relief. And so the, the next step from that was they kind of felt slightly inferior in that in the white community that they live in, all the white people do everything they can to help Africans. And so from this really early age, about three, four, five years old they had sort of an inferiority complex. And listening to them talking about that... See, I don't have that, because I was raised by white people, and white people are great! (laughs) I mean, they're not my (laughs) favourites. No, but it's sort of... I was sort of thinking, wow, I've never really... Yeah. yeah, That's that's a really weird... I've never ever thought about that. And the more I thought about it, the more I thought, wow, these kids that I work with are really, really amazing. And they are, I know (laughs) it sounds really awful, but they're kind of teaching me more about being black. Yeah, it's I, fantastic. Because I don't hang around a lot of black people. You're not yeah. black, are you? 
Well, I oh, mean... Oh, Ellie's husband once said she looked like a white Bill Cosby. He did say that once, yeah. <laughs> I would have to say pre-allegations, pre pre-allegations. Pre, pre, pre yeah. When he was still nice, when right. he was still a family guy. But yeah. he said, sometimes I make a face, I'll do it for you now. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so hard. He's allowed to, he's black. Yes, I am. Stop, stop dancing and take off that, take off that horrible sweater. Yeah. Um, but, um, anyway, not funny. No, no, no. Comic know, Relief is brilliant. The people who work on it, because I've done it at the BBC a couple of times and worked on sort of various things. The people who work on it are brilliant and they love it and they work their bollocks off. And I actually, I actually went for a job at Comic Relief, which I didn't get. Um, oh, here but, we go. Um, here we go. Here she is. Um, but, um, you know. Hands up to Comic Relief as well. I know that lots of people said, look, thank you for letting us know. We've learnt from this. And I don't think they're, uh, they haven't said, no, we're doing absolutely everything right. Guys, I feel like, honestly, man, we've done so many hot potatoes. Oh, I, I nearly sang Heal the World, but we can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's another show. <laughs> Such Make another a show. Place. Like, we've done knife crime, we've done racism. and Do, yeah. do people, like, pull you in for your kind of take? Is it, what is it? Is it parenting? Is it female uh, feminism? What oh, do you... she's pretending to be perimenopausal to get on Lorraine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> As I said, I'm not proud, but there we are. <laughs> shall we Shall we wind this up? Yeah. Shall we do a scummy mummy confession? It's oh, basically God. a story of parenting failure, so it could be about, you know, when it could be a poo or wee thing when they're kids. Or oh, like the God. time, say, for instance, my children came into the room after Will and I in the morning and said, but mummy and daddy, why aren't you wearing your pants? We're like, <laughs> we've just got very hot in the night. But you kept your T-shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't you <laughs> it was December <laughs> it was not good style and then, and, then, and then did he say now children leave the room whilst I get Helen out of the swing <laughs> <laughs> let me unbuckle um, I'll just take this mask off uh, and put away the toys yeah, that yeah. is mummy isn't it <laughs> Um, I wish it was true, Simon. I do. I wish it was true. We're in Cornwall once, and uh, a lot of black people there. So many black people in Cornwall. Guys, you can't go in Cornwall. Go for black people. Honestly, honestly, it's like you know, you know, Lagos. Yeah. Imagine that. Or your jerk chicken. Yeah. Oh, honestly, steel drums. Steel drums. The works. Boney M were there. Indeed. Oh, I'm loving your Australian references. Fucking hell. Bone, Bone the M. That's, that's the best you could do. That's Bone the M. That's what blessed black person right. Tell you what, she's going to say Bob Marley. Yeah. She can't remember him. It's too, it's too edgy. Um... Oh, oh, and it's, this eats me up inside. This, this eats, this still eats me up inside. Joe had made some, uh, f- she'd made some pita breads, which she'd put bits of falafel and salad in, and she'd given one to our son. He's about seven, and he wandered off down the beach. He suddenly took a bite of it, and he came running down back to us, going. Mom, mom, my la- fal- my falafel has too much coriander in it. <laughs> and I went, what the fuck are you saying? Don't say that out loud. Stop, stop, stop yelling. Stop saying that. I'm going to do some wee. Stop, say- <laughs> stop oh. saying that. And he's like, why? And I was like, just 
listen to you. Listen oh, to you. Talking about chips. Listen to you. Oh. Anyway, I was watching Saturday. So I taped this film last year. I was watching Saturday Kitchen, and they had their guest on it, whoever it was, and they said, "Oh, what's your kitchen? What's your your heaven and what's your hell?" Yeah. And the guy went, "Oh, it's got to be coriander's my hell." He goes, "Because I'm in that weird five um, percent of people." Who, when I eat coriander, to me it just tastes like detergent or soap, and I can taste it in anything. And Elliot has been saying since he was seven, it tastes like soap. It's awful, oh. and I've just been going, "Oh come on, I'm going, grow up, have your tabbouleh." We are here to have a mezze, and you. <laughs> and I don't care if you're mixed race, you're middle class, you yeah. will eat the goddamn coriander. Yes. I know. Thomas Ian Myers has done a fine job on this guacamole. <laughs> if that is a name. <laughs> <laughs> and, um. So Shelly Butts, that's why I <laughs> Shelly Butts. So I saw it, because people are allergic to stuff, you know, fatty eaters. Yeah. yeah. Fatty eaters are. They're not dull, aren't they? Yeah. And I don't know your backgrounds because I haven't bothered asking because it's all about me today. But yeah. but in a children's home where there's loads of kids and they go, here's your food, everyone goes, ah! It's like Lord of the Flies. So you yeah. don't have... You, no as a rule, no. as a rule, you're not allowed any allergies or anything. No. No, you might yeah. walk around with hives and sores and everything. But you go, oh... Because, like I said before, kids think everything's normal. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Oh. Well, that's the... a lovely, jolly note to end on. I know. It's a circle of life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a joy to have you. Thank you so much. No, thank you. This has been really good fun. Amazing. It's scenes. been really good fun. Thank you. Can Where I can take people... this cat seat off now? Yeah. <laughs> can I? <laughs> Yes, you can. Because I, I don't know what this... Do you call it a camel toe when it's on a man? <laughs> oh, I thought wow. it was called the fly's eyes. Isn't that what oh, you Do you say that in, a, in, in the... The fly's UK? eyes? You've got the fly's eyes. Oh, what, if they've got like a... Yeah, if you, can see, the, if you can see your balls. That's like, how many balls do Australian men have? <laughs> flies have quite a lot of eyes. <laughs> we must end, Ellie. We must end. Simon, where can people... Sorry. Simon London, where can people follow you? <laughs> I don't want to be followed. Oh, oh right, okay. So yeah. he loves he loves an Instagram follower. I love right? an Instagram. Oh yeah, S London UK, S London UK. Nice. Um, yeah, Instagram. That's okay. S London UK. Follow me that. Follow me at Twitter, but I will. Uh, but don't say anything silly to me because it's like a red rag to a bull. I can't help myself, mm. and uh, people have to text me. I have three friends who text me going. Babes, okay, babes, stop, babes. Yeah. Stop now, Simon. Aww. Stop now. We've all done it. We've all done it. We've yes. all got yeah. too um, involved. Um, please follow us at Scummy Mummies. And, you know, come and see a live show, scummymummies.com. And we're doing tickets. all of Edinburgh, all of it, Ellie. Mm. Uh, we're at the Assembly Rooms at 8, new, no, seven. 10, 7. <laughs> we, Shut up. Okay. we are going to Scotland. That's all we know. <laughs> we are, we'll be in Edinburgh all of April. Oh, no, August. Oh, <laughs> my word. It's like the worst ad ever. <laughs> Okay. So, Dublin, can't wait to see you. Um, we'll be there for Christmas. And in an O'Neill. Uh, 7.50 at the Assembly Rooms in Edinburgh from the 31st of July to the 26th of August. Oh, Not that one. Uh, scummy Mummies, thank you very much. Scummy this has been mummies. good fun. Thank you. You're very welcome, Simon. Okay. Martin. Thank you. Did we now stop talking? Yes, <laughs> we do. But then we, we have to say, uh, until next time, and then we say goodbye, and then we have to wave at the microphone. Can you... Until next time. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to embrace. Yeah. And, then we, and then we get it. Oh. Oh. <laughs>
Stop being funny. Okay, all right, recording. I know we've got. What, what am I wearing today, Ellie? What lingerie? I've got a Marks and Spencer. Why are you asking me like we actually no, sleep together? No, but Simon wants to know. At, at some t- point, go at, for a break at, and come at back and go. Lingerie.com. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm wearing Marks and Spencer's bra and Sainsbury's knickers. Oh. What happens if you get knocked out? What happens if she gets knocked down by a car or something? I we know. can't take her in. Then. <laughs> No, it's not enough. It's not enough. She hasn't thought this through, Simon. I thought you were going to say, what happens if she gets lucky? And of course, I would never fucking not be on that not... And this is what guys do when women have a nice lingerie on. They go, I hope she's going to take that off. <laughs> That's what he said. When we first yeah. got together, I was like, quite into the old sexy lingerie. And after a while, he was like, I just like it when it comes off. Yeah. Really, I just yeah. keep, it's like it's like oh, oh, it's nice wrapping paper, but yeah. really, yeah. It's now, oh, now <laughs> the... <laughs> you do it, you yeah. do it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.